Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything. On today's show, I've been so excited. I've been chasing this guy down. I've been calling him, texting him. Um, this guy is, I mean, such an inspiration to so many people. Former, uh, or uh, I want to say for you said that word earlier, so it threw it in my head, retired Navy SEAL. I learned the difference between this. Uh, this uh, man is a New York Times bestseller. Uh, he's a, a speaker all over the country for the NFL, uh, for the M, uh, MLB, for the Olympics, NASCAR, Marriott, McDonald's, IBM. Uh, GM. He's a coach. Uh, and also, guys, he has a, a, bronze star, uh, a Bronze Star Medal of Valor, Purple Heart Defense. Uh, I didn't even know how to say this word, Jason, but uh, so service medal, uh, Navy, Navy Accommodation Medal, Joint Service Achievement Medal, Navy Achievement Medal, five awards, Combat Action Ribbon, two awards, U.S. Army Ranger Tab, and numerous other service awards. Uh, the greatest thing about him, though, is that he actually looks you in your eyes when you talk to him, and that's what I saw from the very beginning. So please welcome to the show, Mr. Jason Redmond, the legend. Yes, Kelly, what's up, man? Yeah, that word, it's a mouthful, man. You know, that meritorious. Who, you know, only the military would come up words like that. You know, like you can't even, you're like, who says that? I couldn't even say it, man. I was writing it. I was like, man, all my listeners are going to think I'm illiterate uh, because Dude, I can't I say it. I needed 20 years in the military to figure out how to say oh that word. Oh, my gosh. It is, it's crazy. Oh. So I, I love the fact of you know, being able to – I joke about chasing you around. But uh, for those of you listening, I have chased this man around because we got a chance to meet at PLH, uh, Peace, Love, and Happiness. Our buddy Gary uh, created this foundation, helping first responders. We're in the lobby, and um, – we roll up and I just wanted to make fast friends. Um, you know, I, I saw you, I connected and it was so cool because I think the, the coolest thing about you, man, is not, I mean, not only are you uh, a warrior, a superhero, that's what I told my son today. I said, I get to do a podcast. He said, who do you get to interview dad? I said, a superhero. He said, who is it? And I said, it's Jason Redmond. He's a real live superhero. But the thing that I love about you most, man, is that really everyone melts away when you have a conversation with somebody. And you made me feel like that right away. I mean, you're an important dude. You're speaking to companies all over the place. You're writing uh, New York Times bestsellers. You just released your second book, Overcome. Uh, you have the, the Trident, which is a New York Times bestseller. You're coaching companies all over the world, but you're locking in to individuals. Where did that come from? And you know why is that so important to you? Well, you know, everybody's important. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And I mean, and, and Kelly, I mean, much love, man. I, I'm not perfect at that. I try my best. Uh, but, it, but it's about, uh, in, in the military, we call it singularity of focus. So, you know, it, it, and when you're speaking with somebody, man, that's the most important thing right now. Uh, and, and be engaged, be present, be in the moment. So I am not perfect, but I definitely, I mean, people and me. And, you know, the other thing, I, I enjoy people. Um, and, and an interesting fact about me is I'm not an extrovert, even though probably a lot of people, when they see me speak and I'm big and, um, and they think, wow, that guy's, you know, he must be an extrovert. I'm actually not, I'm probably, uh, I'm closer to introvert than extrovert, but I'm on the, so it takes a lot of energy for me. But what I love is I love learning about people. I love deep conversations. I love understanding how people think like, you and I met and I was fascinated that, dude, you own all the, you know, you want to give me all these props, 
which is awesome. Thank you. But dude, you own like majorly successful salons in five of the biggest cities out there. You're crushing it. And that's fascinating to me because you have this mindset for business. We were talking, you were like, check out this new, uh, uh, you were like, check out this new app where it sends out these messages and videos. You remember that? You just launched that when we were talking about it. I remember watching them. You sent them to me because I am a, I'm always a student of business. I never stop learning you know, leadership is a journey that never ends. You can learn from anybody. So I'm just, I love people. I love learning from people. So that's, everybody's got a story, man. Well, how, and how were you able to like, you know, as a kid, you know, you, 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 you know, five, six, let's go back to Jason as a, as a kid, five, six, seven years old, we're playing, you know, you're playing with guns. You're saying, Hey, you're the good guys, the bad guys. Um, was it in your mind from a very early age, hey, I'm going to go in the military, um, I'm going to go and serve my country, or what, what, like what was the, the thought process in that and what got you uh, in the mindset? Yeah, very early age. I mean, it, it actually, I mean, a life of service was just something that, um, I don't know, man, it was in my DNA. My, my, family, <laughs> my family has a picture of me when I'm about three years old. And somebody had got me this super obnoxious firefighter helmet that actually had the, it had the light on top and the siren. And like, apparently I would just run around the house in that thing. And it was like super, it's, it's the gift that you want to give your friends for them to hate you. Like here, I got this for your kid. And uh, so my mom said I wouldn't take it off. I just went around the house all the time and I was going to be a firefighter. Uh, She used to say, I would say, I'm going to be a fireman because firemen are brave of heart. I used to say that. Wow. So, um, and then as I got a little bit older, um, I don't know, seven or so, I was like, I want to be in the military. Um, my, my family came from the military. We're patriotic family. My, my uh, both grandfathers had fought in World War II. So I grew up listening to their stories. My dad had been in the army and I just, you know, I went down that path when I was about, um, 15, my dad had, um, gone through jump school with some Navy SEALs and, um, and he knew that I love the military. I love special operations. And he said, Hey, there's a group of guys out there. They're called SEALs. You should look into them. And I did, I looked into them and I saw toughest training in the military. And I was like, don't ask me why, whatever it lit a fire within me. Cause at that point in my life, I was not Um, I was not the person that you would have thought that would have been like toughest training in the military. That's what I want to do. I was like four foot 11, weighed about 95 pounds, didn't play any sports. I I just, I, I don't know. It like it, something clicked within me and I was like, that's it. That's what I'm going to go do. Another pause for station identification and shameless promotion. This episode is also brought to you by Finley Cars of Las Vegas. I tell you, a next level in the car buying experience, and not only that, but the life of your car, the service that you're going to uh, experience is incredible. It's Finley Volvo Cars uh, LV.com. And also brought to you by uh, Bling Shine Serum, the only product on the market that will add weightless moisture, strength, and shine, and the only uh, product that has the endorsement of my mama. When I showed her all the features and benefits, she smelled it and she said, this is the greatest product that you've ever done. And I thought, mom, do you not uh, look at the features and benefits? She said, no, if it smells like that, it must work. And I tell you, every single woman needs a little bit of bling in their life. And this can be purchased at kellycardinasalon.com. 
what what made you choose the Navy? And then take us from choosing the Navy, right? I mean, because the Navy is serious. Uh, my dad was in the Air Force. Uh, he get you know people give him a hard time at times and things like that. But I mean, the Navy is serious. But then when you talk about going to be a SEAL, I mean, buds makes a lot of people quit, right? Yeah. I mean, buds is a part that I mean in, in that that part of the training, a lot of times, I mean, what's the ratio of people that make it through buds from starting to finish? What is the percentage of the success rate on it? Uh, about 20 to 25% are successful. So 75 to 80% don't make it. So why the Navy? And then why the Navy seals? Like, cause again, there's one and then there's like, then you jump to this other plane. You know, my dad had told me about them and, uh, and, and you have to understand, I mean, back then in the, um, late eighties, early nineties, you know, the internet wasn't a thing yet. Um, and there wasn't a whole lot of information about the seals. They were still very secretive back then. So when my dad told me about them, I couldn't really find much information. I found some stuff. And, uh, so that piqued my interest. Um, the fact that it was the hardest training piqued my interest. Uh, my dad had said they do everything. He's like seal stands for sea. So he's like, they come from the water and I was a strong swimmer. I've lived in the Virgin islands for a while. He was like air, they jump out of airplanes and land. They do all kinds of land operations. And I did manage to find one book in a little truck stop. We were living down in Southern North Carolina middle of nowhere. And at a truck stop one day, I stopped with some friends and they had one of those, you know, like $5, you know, uh, uh, paperback books on a rack that truckers could pick up. And there was a book called UDT seal operations in Vietnam. And I grabbed it. I was like, Oh my God, it's a book on the seals. And I grabbed it. And, uh, and the author of the book was a guy by the name of TL and I couldn't even pronounce his last name. It was spelled B O S I L J E V A C. And I just butchered his last name. So this is an important part of this story while I'm telling you that. So I read this book and it's fascinating. It is a historical analysis of the SEAL teams operating in Vietnam, which was the first time they had really seen sustained combat. The SEAL teams, the forefathers of the SEAL team swam across the beaches in Normandy, but back then they were called scouts and raiders. Later they became the underwater demolition teams, but they didn't become the SEAL teams until Vietnam. 1962 was when Kennedy commissioned the SEAL teams. So this book was fascinating. So anyways, it sparked my interest. It made me want to go down that journey to do this. Fast forward to my very first SEAL team after I graduate from BUDS. I check in and my first commanding officer is a guy by the name of Tim Basilevac, B-O-S-I-L-J-E-V-A-C. The guy that wrote that book, it was his college thesis and he later became my commanding officer. Wow. Wow. Okay. So Isn't that ta- cool. Yes. Yes. So take us to, okay. Cause you're excited. You're, you, you enter the Navy. You're, you're excited about, uh, uh, becoming a seal. You read about it, all that stuff. Talk about the first time that it became real. Like, Oh damn. Like what did I just step off into? Or was it just excitement all the way through? Because I, I remember reading a part of your bio and it was like, you know, Jason, uh, was, uh, you know, on vacation at buds and, uh, <laughs> laid on the beach in Coronado, um, help people to understand because a lot of times it gets glorified in the part of like, Oh yeah, it's so shiny and flashy. But I mean, when, 
when did you know it was real? And what was that experience for you? Um, I mean, SEAL training is incredibly hard. So I think, I, I don't know if there was ever a part where I was like, oh, wow, you know, I knew it was going to be hard. There was no doubt in my mind. I knew it was going to be hard. I think I was pretty mentally prepared for that. Um, a lot of people ask me, did I ever think about quitting? And, and yeah, of course. I mean, any, in my opinion, my humble opinion, anyone that tells you they never thought about quitting is a liar. <laughs> um, it's designed to be excruciatingly hard. There is a reason 80% of people quit. They don't make it. Um, every individual, I mean, it's just part of human nature. At times we struggle. The difference between people who are successful and those who aren't is they struggle and they keep going. And people who aren't successful, uh, you know, they quit. Not that it's ever too late to come back from that. So don't ever think just because you quit, it's too late. You always can come back uh, and, and hit it again. So there were times I thought about it, um, but, you know, I just kept driving forward. I don't think I, I don't think there was ever time in SEAL training. That I was like, wow, this is for real. This is legit. I will tell you that in my career, after I got into the SEAL teams, there were multiple times, multiple moments where I was like, holy, I don't know if I can curse on this. You can, you can say whatever okay. you want, man. Where I was like, holy shit, this is for real. Like, this is no joke. Like, this is life and death right now. When was that first time? Explain it to us. Set the scene for us. Because, uh, you know, obviously you do the training. You're, you're in budge. You go through those things. I mean, you're going through, I mean... God knows, I mean, as a civilian, we have no idea. Like, we have no idea the, the physical, the mental, the, you know, the emotional stress that you go through and put yourself through to be in a real-time situation. Set the stage for the first real-time situation where it was go time and you're not, like, I mean, it's you're dealing with real bullets. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, the first, both times, the first time happened in Colombia. I was... Uh, my first SEAL team, I was sent down to uh, Columbia and South America, and we were doing counter-drug stuff down there. And, uh, and this is in the 90s. I mean, you still have remnants of the cartels. I mean, you know, pretty dangerous area of the world at that time. And we were down doing some work. And I remember we had gone out and we were placing uh, some sensors, and we came back to recover those sensors, you know, maybe a week or so later. And I remember we were walking up and we had some Colombians with us and my senior chief and they kind of set security. And my senior chief was like, hey, go recover that sensor. You know, this is where it is. And, you know, the Colombian officer that was with us was like, oh, yeah, hey, just recognize, do a good job. Because the the FARC, uh, which was an acronym for the uh, Fuerzas Armada Revolucionarias del Colombia. Uh, so it was the it was basically the Colombian guerrilla army fighting against uh, the Colombian government and they provided support oftentimes to the cartel. And he said, yeah, hey, just be aware if the FARC finds anything, they booby trap everything. And he's like, like this. <laughs> and I remember and my senior chief's like, go get it, new guy. And I remember like walking out like. Every, every booby trap in the world that ever could like was in my mind. Like every step I took was like an explosion, you know, and my heart's pounding in my chest and thankfully nothing happened. But I mean, like literally I'm like sweating bullets and like, 
But that was kind of the first time I was like, holy smokes, like th this is for real. Like this is no joke. This isn't a video game. This is not a movie. Like, you know, if you mess up, you're going to get blown up. Um, and then I think the second time was a couple of weeks later on that same trip, we were at a, uh, outpost with the Colombians and, and there was, uh, we were getting reports that a huge, uh, 400 man FARC army was moving towards our camp. And, uh, and we were, uh, expecting them to attack or hit our camp at any time. We were like ready to go. And one night we're sleeping and all of a sudden the world opens up and gunfire. Uh, we jump out of bed and grab all our gear and like there's just bullets and stuff blowing up. And remember that scene in uh, in Predator where they're like shooting in all directions. That's exactly what, what was happening. I mean, literally, this Colombian camp went to three shooting 360 degrees all directions. And we're sitting there with our gear uh, kind of like watching and waiting. And my senior chief was like, hey, new guy, get ready to destroy those radios, uh, we may go on escape and evasion, which basically means you're, you're fleeing, you're getting rid of your gear and you're, you, you know, you're on the run. So, uh, that was another like, holy shit moment. Like this is for real. And thankfully that's not what happened. I mean, it, it, uh, that element, they might've shot into our camp, but I think they, from the very violent response of the, Columbia military that was with us, I think they decided against attacking our camp and they left. So that didn't happen, but it definitely was uh, those two moments for, I was 20, 20 years old. Wow. And those two moments were like, this is for real. This is like no joke. After those moments, did you start to settle in Jay? Like when you, I mean, did it ever become, no, I mean, did it ever become normal or commonplace? Cause most of the seals that I know, um, super calm. Like you said that, you know, you were saying earlier, you're not really an extrovert, um, kind of almost introvert kind of to yourself. I mean, obviously you guys handle business, but almost every seal that I'm around, you would never know you're sitting in the bar with the guy. It's the most unassuming guy. A lot of times the bravado isn't in that place. Talk to us about that point because it's, I mean, there's like when you're around um, and I've got, I've been very fortunate to be around a lot of uh, special forces, whether it be Rangers or, um, or Navy SEALs. And there is just a calm. Is it because you know, if something goes down, you're good? Yeah, I would say so. I think you also learn that um, stressing out over things really accomplishes nothing. It's just kind of a waste of energy. So, you know, don't, don't stress until you have to control what you can. And, uh, I think that's probably a lot of it. And obviously going through training, um, whether it's training or even once you get into real world operations, I mean, most stuff is a lot more mundane than, you know, what you see out there. So for the most part, you manage to stay calm. I, I think many of us thrive in uh, highly complex, chaotic situations. Like I, I personally feel like I'm most alive and at my best when the world is burning down around me. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, now's the time to do some shameless promotion. This episode is brought to you by Squeeze Dried, a delicious, no-hassle way to get superfoods, vitamins, and nutrition. SqueezeDried.com. It's also brought to you by Cardenas Law Group, a high-level boutique law firm for all your personal injury needs. That's CardenasLawGroup.com. Thank you so much again for listening. Hopefully, you're continuing to enjoy the episode. Wow. Um, I just... 
I don't know. I feel like I'm, th I think the clearest I'm able to quickly make decisions and execute and, you know, clear away. Uh, remember we talked about singularity of focus mm -hmm. at the beginning, you know, you're able to ignore all the distractions and just focus on the problem. And, and that's a skill. I, and it may be a learned skill. There's probably a genetic component to it, but uh, some people can't do that. Some people, when a crisis occurs, they're a mess and they're all over the place. How long until you started to see that that was developing where you were feeling comfortable in, in the, you know, you're, you're having, uh, you know, fire, or, uh, you know, you're taking enemy fire around you and you start to almost like settle in. And that's what, even when you started to talk about it, like I could see it in your face, I see it in you. You started talking about chaos and you calm down. Most people talk about chaos. Their voice gets louder. They're jumping up and, ah, and you started talking about chaos and your voice went down your countenance went down, everything was good. When did you start to notice that that muscle memory was starting to be there? I mean, it really training. I will say that, uh, you know, hats off to all the other special operations branches that are out there in the military branches. I mean, I got to work with all of them. Um, obviously I went through ranger school and I'm ranger qualified, but um, I don't think anyone trains at the same level that that we do and i think it's one of the things that makes the seal teams and made us so exceptionally effective on the battlefield especially post 9 11 in the iraq and afghanistan wars um for a lot of people they would probably think it's almost sadistic how we train uh it, it's it's as if we try and come up with the absolute most brutal sadistic twisted worst case scenario you ever can think of. And then we try and ramp it up even higher than that. Um, so what a lot of people don't realize is oftentimes training is hard, harder than combat about the only time combat ever gets harder than training is if things go drastically wrong, but most routine combat operations are much easier than what you would do in training. So you have to learn how to deal training is designed to be as chaotic as possible. We want to make it that way so that we teach guys how to deal with chaos in a real world combat environment. Uh, that's where you learn how to have singularity of focus, how to ignore the things that you can't control, how to deal with the problems that are in front of you at the time and, and, and systematically take them down. And all through training, you have to learn to do that. There's so many instances in training where you will fail if you don't learn how to do that. So when you're, when you're talking about that, that the training is more stressful or more, okay. Most of the listeners out there are like, well, Jason, if one bullet was flying, um, I don't know that you could create a more stressful environment than that in my life. Um, but take us through a specific on maybe some of the ways that in which you were training, when you were saying that a sadistic part, and then you ramp it up 10, um, to get yourself ready, what were some of the things that you guys were putting yourself through before you went to battle? So when you got to battle, it was kind of like, I mean, I, I think about it like Daniel, right? So Daniel uh, or uh, David, David wasn't afraid of Goliath because he had killed bears and lions. And so he said, I killed some bears. I killed some lions. See this guy in front of me? No big deal. Let me go get him. It's what I kind of take from what you're saying, right? So explain to, 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 uh, to our listeners, what, uh, what are some of those things that you put yourself through? I mean, just in many of the scenarios, I mean, whether it will, depending on whatever level of, uh, whatever block of training, I mean, one of the things that makes special operations forces unique is we train for all kinds of different scenarios and the SEALs specifically, I mean, sea, air and land, 
you know, we train to come from the water, you know, we train mountains, mobility, close quarters, combat, urban operations, desert operations, whatever it is. So when we do those environments, we, we think about, well, what if we encounter this or what if we encounter that or what if we encounter that? Um, you know, what if we um, were doing an urban takedown and we went into this town and suddenly it was similar to Somalia back in 93 and oh, by the way, half your team shot and oh, by the way, this helicopter gets shot down and oh, by the way. So we would implement all these things into training scenarios so now you have, and oftentimes we may do something where before the training scenario even starts, the guys all have to go run five miles and, you know, do all kinds of heavy physical activity. So now they're starting it already fatigued and mentally tired. And then we throw in uh, down man drills. So we say, hey, you, you and you, you're injured. So now you're having to carry injured guys continue to function and fight. Oh, by the way, you thought you were getting to the end, but hey, we just had a helicopter shot down on the other side of town. So now you've got to move to the other side of town. And along the way, you're just so frequently we will build these very elaborate training scenarios to make it as mentally, emotionally and physically challenging um, for, for our guys as they go through training. Probably one of the, I mean, one of the things that, I mean, I know that you wrote about in your first book with Trident. Um, I remember reading about your experience. Um, you know, people take fire, right? And I've, I've got a chance to be able to talk to people. Most people haven't taken fire the way that you have. I mean, you got shot in your arm, but you got shot in the head, um, you know, actually in the face, um, you know, during that time. Set the stage for us there. Talk to us about like beforehand leading up to it and then what you're going through when this happens. I mean, because again, like I, I don't know that people can understand, like I can't understand it. When we talked about like right when I first met you and we were talking, like I, I just wanted to know, I wanted to, I mean, I didn't want to be insensitive on it, but it's just something that's so fascinating because you going through what you've gone through and then you helping people to overcome things like I love being your friend Jay, but it makes every excuse in my life irrelevant. Like when my leg hurts, like I can't even, I mean, because you're my friend. So sometimes I don't want to be your friend anymore. Um, just so I can complain in my life. <laughs> I'm just joking with you. Well, you know, and the funny thing is I tell people, um, oftentimes people will say, man, I can't relate to your story or frequently I've had people say, you know, I feel like a, a wuss because of something like that. But the reality is, you know, everybody lives in their own personal hell. So don't ever discount yourself because you're going through something hard and you try and look at somebody like me or somebody else or whoever, you know, I can do the same thing. I got friends that are missing, you know, they got all blown up, missing limbs and burned. And I can be like, God, I'm a wuss compared to them. I, I'll give you a perfect example. <laughs> I watched a couple of months ago, um, Free Solo. Have oh, you watched that? Oh my god! Oh my god, man! Alex Hanold, that dude is a beast. And I remember watching it, and like when it was over, I looked at my wife and I was like, "I am such a wuss." I was like, "I feel like I've never done anything outside of the box in my life." <laughs> I didn't you want know? my wife to watch it because I don't want her to see that that stuff's possible. You <laughs> dude, know what I mean, dude? He's otherworldly. I mean, I don't think that'll ever be duplicated. I'll be honest. I mean, what did he I climb? It? He climbed, climbed it in three hours. I don't know. It three was, or four hours or somewhere. Around so amazing. There. And, and, and anybody that has ever climbed, 
if you have an appreciation for climbing, I, I just, it is so astronomical what he did mm-hmm. that it, it, that he literally, there was something genetic about him that enabled him his singularity of focus and his ability to block out the dangers was otherworldly. I mean, it literally was supernatural. Like I just, in my opinion, in our lifetime and maybe never will you ever see that again. Oh, it was, it was absolutely crazy. So Jay, I, and I love this about you, man. And if you, you get a chance to hear Jason speak, have him come to your company, wherever he's always going to put the focus on you. Like he's always going to put the focus on you and not on himself. And I love that about you. You are incredible. <laughs> Take us to the battlefield the day so, of. And it, and it comes back to training yeah. and it comes back to that singularity focus. So okay. on, on that night, we, you know, just long story short, we were going after the number one leader for uh, Al Qaeda in the Western province of Iraq. And my team and I walked into a very well executed ambush and several of us got all shot up. I was shot eight times between the body and body armor. Um, I took, uh, two rounds in the left elbow, which I thought shot my arm off and then took that round in the face, which, uh, I had turned to move back to the, where our, our guys were, which was about 15 yards behind me. So the bullet thankfully actually hit me from behind, but it hit me at an angle right in front of where my ear connects to my face, uh, mm. traveled through my face, exited the right side of my nose, taken off most of my nose, blew out my right cheekbone, broke that bone and kicked it out to the right. Bullet traveled right under my eye, vaporized my orbital floor, blew, um, broke all the bones above my eye, um, shattered the head of my jaw, shattered my jaw down to my chin and knocked me out. And uh, when I came to, I was laying flat on my back and literally this gunfight was occurring directly over me. It was about, uh, I, I remember coming to, and if you ever watched a movie and you see machine guns fire, it looks like there's a laser beam coming out. Well, those are called tracers. Uh, every fifth round in a machine gun is a tracer round and they're used for sighting in that machine gun. And, um, <clears throat> and I was literally watching tracer fire travel directly over me while this gunfight was occurring about, you know, eight inches above me between my guys behind me. Um, and the enemy that was about 45 feet from me. And, uh, and this is where training starts to come into play because it would have been pretty easy to get all freaked out. Um, and to think about, Oh my God, I'm going to die and start freaking out and like, Hey, come get me, come get me. But all my training and, and that ability to calm yourself in the chaos is so critical because there were things that I knew one, I knew I was no longer in that fight. I was way too messed up. One, if I had sat up, I would have been shot. Um, two, I was, I was seriously, seriously messed up. I mean, that, the round of the face really rang my bell, and I was struggling to think straight. Um, but I knew enough that uh, I was out of the fight. Like, my guys had to, they had to win this fight, and I trusted them to do that. Uh, but I also knew that they could not come forward and get me until they won that fight, because if they did, they'd be shot. So I had to be patient. I had to be patient. I had to let them do their job. And then I also had to think about, well, uh, if they can't come get me, I'm all shot up. You know, what are the next steps? Well, I got to take care of myself. And those are some of the things we learn in training. You know, um, your medic or your buddy may not be there to save you. So we do extensive training to where we learn how to provide, we call it self-aid, to be able to provide first aid to ourselves. 
So that was my primary focus. I was like, I gotta get, I gotta get a tourniquet on my arm, which I never was able to do. I had lost too much blood by the time I tried to get my tourniquet on. Um, but I had that singularity of focus. It was, I, you know, so what that the bullets were flying. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything about it. Um, all I could do was try and save my own life. And that became my focus. When I realized I couldn't get my tourniquet on the, the next thought pattern became, okay. Um, I, I, having gone through all this medical training, I recognized the signs, the physiological signs of dying. Um, so, you know, I was, I was getting cold. My extremities were getting cold. It was, uh, getting harder and harder to move. It was getting harder and harder to breathe. It was getting harder and harder to think. And everything in me was like, just go to sleep, just let go, go to sleep. It's like the greatest fatigue I've ever felt in my entire life. And, uh, but the thing was, I knew that if I went to sleep, I would never wake up again. So I was like, Hey, you got to stay awake to stay alive. And that became my focus. I was like, stay awake, stay alive, stay awake, stay alive. And thankfully my teammates, uh, did an amazing job, uh, of winning that fight. We ended up calling in a, uh, fire mission, which is when we bring in, um, bombs or bullets from an aircraft above down onto the enemy. Um, although for this engagement, we were, we were so close to the enemy. We actually call these mission danger close. And sometimes in movies, you might've seen this term, but it basically means you're so close that there's a high chance you could get blown up or killed from those same rounds. And, uh, and it actually ended up being the closest fire mission ever executed in the Iraq war. We literally called rounds right onto our position. Um, but my team members did an amazing job and, uh, and, you know, saved us and, and got me out of there. And thankfully I survived. Is this the sign behind you? The attention sign? Is this your it attention sign? Actual sign? It's a reproduction. The actual sign, uh, hangs in the wounded ward at Walter Reed. Wow. Can you so, explain, can, can you talk to us about this? Because I mean, obviously you go through this. I mean, when you're, when you're going through it, Jay, like when you're, when you're on the ground, singularly focused, right? Are you, I mean, emotionally, you're just staying on that. Stay, stay awake, stay alive. That's what's in your head. You're just saying it over and over. Are you saying it out loud? I don't remember saying it out loud. Um, and, 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 you know, let's take a step back for a moment because yeah. there, there was a, a little bit of a process that occurred. Um, the first process as I realized I was dying, I got angry. Uh, I was angry that I had allowed us to get into this position. I was angry to think that I was going to die in this dirty, um, field in the middle of this, you know, in the middle of Iraq. Um, I was angry that the enemy would have the satisfaction of knowing they killed me. Mm. Um, I was, uh, I was just angry. I was angry that I had allowed this to happen, which is probably good. It kind of fueled my fire a little bit. Uh, but then anger kind of became sadness because I thought about the fact that I wouldn't see my wife and kids again. And, um, you know, my son at that point was, um, seven, uh, my youngest, my middle daughter was four and my youngest was two. And, uh, you know, it's, it's September and we're like really big into Halloween. I mean, we always have fun dressing up and I just, I thought about, Hey, no more Halloweens, no more Christmases, you know, you're never going to. Um, walk your daughter down the aisle. And that was heartbreaking. Um, and, and so I don't, I don't know where people are. I'm a man of faith. Um, although my faith has kind of uh, over the, 
up until that point was probably weaker than it should have been. Uh, but I called out to God and I said, Hey, I need strength. I need strength to go home, um, to see my wife and kids again. And I had strength just like that. I went from not being able to move a muscle to suddenly having the strength, um, to, to stay in awake, to stay alive. That's when that thought popped into my head. And I went from not being able to move when the medevac helicopter came in to getting up and walking 75 yards and getting on the helicopter under my own power. So, um, hold on, hold on. You, with your, with your face blown off. Yeah. Two, two rounds, two rounds in your arm, which I thought my arm had been shot off. And we found, obviously I found out later that it, that it was still attached, but not by much. And you got, Uh, you got up and walked 75, 75 yards, 75 feet. 75 yards. 75, almost a football field on your own. Yep. Wow. And I mean, that's, uh, praise you know, God I, on that I, one. I credit that to a miracle. I'd love yeah. to, I'd love <laughs> to tell you that my faith is rock solid. Uh, <laughs> not, I'm a very analytical person, but okay. I'm okay with that. I mean, yeah. if you read the Bible, Thomas was one of Jesus' disciples and he doubted. So I'm okay too. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, doctors said I shouldn't have survived from the amount of blood I lost. And, uh, and I did, and I'm still here. And, you know, I think he gave me a second chance. I'm trying to make the most of it. So, so yeah, it was a pretty, it was a pretty pivotal night. Wow. So, okay, let's fast forward to the, the note on the door. Cause this note on yeah. the door was, I remember hearing you t- talk about this and it blew me away. Yeah. So I, I'd, um, I'd love to tell you that, man, as soon as I woke up and, and got to the hospital and it was, it was a 96 hour journey from the time I got medevaced off the battlefield. Uh, they, they moved me from multiple places. I went from Baghdad to Balad to Germany. And then finally, uh, you know, back to the United States to, um, the Bethesda Naval hospital, which is now Walter Reed. And, um, and in the beginning, there was a little bit of a euphoria, if you will. I was super stoked to still be alive. But then the reality of the situation set in and, and, and really it was overwhelming. Um, I remember several days after being at Bethesda, I was just being inundated with information from the doctors like, you know, hey, Lieutenant Redmond, um, you have your elbow has been destroyed you have no use of your left hand. You have extensive nerve damage. We're thinking about amputating your arm. Uh, you're being fed through a stomach tube. You're trached. You're wired shut. Um, and just you have a, a terrible uh, bacteria that contributes to MRSA and staff. And, you know, anybody that comes into your room has to be in this full, you know, antibacterial gowns and stuff. And it's just on and on and on. And like, I just felt so overwhelmed, like literally at a point, I almost felt like I was back in that firefight. Like, but now it wasn't the bullets and bombs of combat. It was the bullets and bombs of life. So anybody out there that said, Hey, I can't relate to that. Well, yeah, you can, because you have been in moments like this. I I call them the end moments. They're the moments in life where we think something catastrophic has happened and, we, and, it, and we're like, this is the end. Like, there's no way I can go for it. It may be the end in your job. It may be the end because of some medical problem. It may be the end of a relationship. But is that searing pain in your heart and in your soul and in your mind where you're like, I don't know how I can drive forward from here. So you all can relate to that. 
And that's what I felt in that moment. I remember laying in that bed thinking to myself, you know, my, my SEAL career is over. Uh, I'm going to be um, permanently disabled and I'm going to be forever disfigured. And, and that was heartbreaking. And, and like I was struggling. And about that time, there were some other people that had been in my room and they, they were having a conversation while the doctors were talking. And I overheard parts of their conversation. It was like, man, what a shame. We send these young men and women off to war and they come home broken and battered and they're never going to be the same. They're never going to be able to get back uh, to be successful because of what war has done to them. And then they left and the doctors and nurses left and I was left all alone in the room. And like, I remember just digesting all this. And, and I realized something though. Um, and this, this is the greatest gift that everybody has. All of us are going to hit those DN moments in life. Um, but the different, but, but the gift that you have is you have a choice. You have a choice in how you're going to deal with it. And you can either lay down and feel sorry for yourself and buy into what other people want to say about you, that you're never going to recover, that it's the end and, you know, just, be a victim and lay there and shrivel up and die. Or you can choose to get up. You can choose positivity over negativity. You don't know what the outcome is going to be. You know, I sure didn't. <laughs> it wasn't a, it didn't look like a great outcome, but I knew this. I had been through other hard things in my life. And I was like, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be, you know, the, the Lieutenant Dan in the Forrest Gump movie in the beginning where, you know, he's just a shell of a man and this bitter wounded warrior. I was like, I got kids. I got a wife. I got amazing people. I mean, there's, there's other wounded warriors around me that are as bad or worse than I am. You know, you need to like step up. So that is the power of choosing positivity over negativity. And when my wife came back in the room, I said, Hey, hand me my paper. Cause I couldn't talk. You know, all I could do was write. And I wrote out that the, the sign. And it said, uh, it said, attention to all who enter here. If you're coming in this room with sadness or sorrow, don't bother. The wounds that I received, I got a job that I love, doing it for people that I love, defending the freedom of a country that I deeply love. I will make a full recovery. What is full? That's the absolute utmost physically. I have the ability to recover. And then I'll push that about 20% further through sheer mental tenacity. This room you're about to enter is a room of fun, optimism, and intense rapid regrowth. If you're not prepared for that, go elsewhere. And we we signed it the management because obviously it needed a level of credibility. So, <laughs> well, I, so, I, I love that. I, I love that, that thought. Okay. Keep going. Keep going. So anyways, I mean, just, it, it is that sign has gone on. Now uh, we put it on the door, a New York firefighter took a picture of it and wrote a blog about it. And it went viral. It was everywhere. It was morning news shows and all this other stuff. It earned me an invitation to the white house to meet president Bush but it, um, it has impacted millions of people at this point. You know, I've had individuals that have had cancer, individuals that have had major accidents, other wounded warriors that have reached out to me and said, man, this really motivated and inspired me. Secretary Robert Gates wrote about it in his book. First Lady Michelle Obama wrote about it, not once, but twice in her book. And, and I don't tell you all that to say, hey, look at me, I wrote this sign. I tell you that because that is the power of choice. That is the power of positivity over negativity. And you never know what the outcome is going to be, but it's kind of like a really still great big pond. And all of a sudden you throw this big rock into it and those ripples go out in all directions. And, and, and at some point, man, they're hitting the shore and they're making an impact. And, and that's, what's been really cool about this. Something that 
All I did was chose positivity over negativity. And now look at the ripples that are hitting people all over the country and even the world. Well, it's amazing because, you know, I think a lot of times somebody goes through a tragedy and then that tragedy defines them. Um, this tragedy propelled you. And so we have three major buckets that you have now. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of, again, a lot of times people will have accolades, they'll have a purple heart, they'll have these things. I'm not saying everyone has a purple heart, but I'm just saying like, they'll, they'll do these things in whether it be business and life, whatever it is. And then they rest on that. And they always tell the story on the other side. What I loved about you is that this propelled you into three buckets, the speaking, the writing, and the coaching. So let's take the speaking, first of all. How did that come about? Um, you know, why was that so strong on your heart? And I mean, and you've done it for the best. I mean, to see the people who have, have done the endorsements of you. I mean, these are, we're not talking about you go to the, the local rotary. I'm saying that you're speaking all over impacting. And it, the principles, it doesn't matter what industry the person's in. You're helping them to be able to overcome whatever life throws at them. Why was the speaking so important to you? It, it just um, <clears throat> really, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a plan. It was just something that kind of happened that uh, within the military itself, I was invited to go to these dinners. They would hear about the story and say, hey, would you be willing to come speak at our dinner, at our event? And, and I learned I was pretty good at speaking and I liked it. And I liked... Um, what happened was hard, but I also found out that it was cathartic to tell my story. Like I realized there was power in this story. Um, and even though it's hard to relive traumatic moments, like it, 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 it flipped the, it flipped the, the, the scenario, if you will, instead of this traumatic event, owning me, I owned it and I could use it to help other people. And, and the more I spoke, the more I had people say, wow, I really needed that. And, uh, and it just, it grew. And, and as with anything, you get better as you go. I mean, I'm, I'm much better now after, you know, seven years of speaking than I was when I first started. And what's neat is I'm always refining my content and trying to make my content better. And like, like I told you at the beginning, I love people. Human beings are the same, no matter where you go, whether they're warriors, whether they're window washers, it doesn't matter. You know, people function the same way. Uh, leadership is leadership, resiliency is resiliency, whatever environment you work in. So the principles that I speak on apply and, and, and trying to take these military principles and making them relatable to people where they can go, oh man, that totally makes sense. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and this concept that uh, we really came up with in the new book, Overcome, that everybody gets ambushed in life. Everybody gets on the X. The X is the point of attack. It is the crisis. It is the, the adversity. It is the chaos. And so many people get overwhelmed and they sit on that X. They feel sorry for themselves. They're unwilling to get up. They, they, they're hoping someone will come along and save them. And most of the time that never happens. You have to get up yourself. As a matter of fact, so many times I've seen it where, um, you actually pull someone off the X and if they're not ready or willing, they'll just climb back onto it. So you have to learn how to get off the X on your own. And that's been really amazing and powerful to be able to teach people how to do that, to share with people how to lead yourself and how to lead others off that X. So, so it's been, a, it's been awesome. I mean, I love speaking and sharing that story. And now that has obviously translated into um, the coaching 
which is really cool. I mean, I'm launching a whole new program in 2021 with both group coaching and courses and, um, and even, you know, some pretty high level one-on-one coaching for people that want to work with me. So all that's going to go live in uh, 2021. Well, I, I thought it was amazing too, because I remember seeing, I, I texted you when I saw it, I sent a picture to you uh, of the book because I, I had seen uh, Trident. I, I have that at the house. You had signed it for me and I love the book. Um, and it was telling your story and talking about, uh, you know, over, uh, it was talking about the adversities, everything like that. And it was more based off the story of it, right? And so, you know, you're kind of going through it. And I love what you did with Overcome. And like, it's amazing how God works because you wrote this before 2020 happened. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, and I mean, I don't know if you know about 2020 uh, or some of the no, things that have happened. happened. Yeah. Some, I mean, some, some, I've been, I've been crushing it. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of it. So talk about that because I mean, the way that God works, a lot of times we don't understand the impact that he's going to have at the particular time. He puts it on your heart. You write this book, Overcome. And now we're in a place where this book, Overcome, is the anthem, and every single person in America, in the world, should read Overcome right now. Every single person needs it. Yeah, so, no, and it's been really exciting that uh, people that did read it, uh, when it came out, um, it came out about 10 months ago, and uh, the people that did read it in the beginning of the year, or the beginning of the pandemic, would reach out to me and say, oh my God, thank you. I'm so glad I read this before all this happened. So it, it is, I, I agree with you. I mean, it is, um, God works in mysterious ways. I mean, Overcome came about mainly because so many people would read the Trident and just say, hey, how did you do that? You know, how did you build this Overcome mindset? When I would speak, I would talk about these things, but I didn't really have a step-by-step process to be able to give to people and say, here's how you do it. And, and really that's what overcome became. It, it became, so I tell people the Trident is the story overcome is the how to, and, and I'm getting ready to launch a planner that gets even deeper into that on, um, on these programs, these new programs I'm launching in 2021, it's called point man for life. How do you, in the military, we have point men, they're leaders, uh, but they do so much more than that. And I won't get into the details, but the bottom line, it is, how do you be a point man for your own life? How do you be a leader for your own life to define your mission, to set your course, to understand the risks? And then when things go horrifically wrong, how to get off the X as quickly as possible. Here we go again with the shameless promotion. This episode is also brought to you by Piper Diamonds for all your jewelry needs. My necklace that I get complimented all over the country and all over the world. Uh, my pennant was made by Piper Diamonds Company. This place is absolutely phenomenal. When you're looking for that special something for that special someone, Piper Diamonds is the only answer. It's piperdiamonds.co. And it's also brought to you by Kelly Cardina Salon in Las Vegas and in Chicago. This is top-level service, guys, without the ego and, hands down, the greatest shampoo experience that you will ever have in your life. This will create uh, an evangelistic-type uh, experience. You will be talking about this for years and years to come. The wash house, a uh, completely separate area, com- uh, different sound system, soundproofed, head, neck, and shoulder massage. You will be over the moon with your experience, and you can uh, schedule your appointment at kellycardinasalon.com. Enjoy the rest of the episode. If you can do that, you will crush this life. People will want to follow you. One of my sayings with the Point Man for Life, 
is be the light in the darkness. Leaders are the light in the darkness. Other people are lost and someone in the darkness flashes this 10,000 lumens light and says, follow me. That's what point men do. That's what this program's about. And uh, Overcome really gets into some of those details. Now I'm taking it to the next level. And, uh, and Kelly, I wanted, I wanted to say this. A lot of people are probably listening. They're like, oh, my God, this guy, you know, I can't hold a candle to him. Uh, you know, uh, this all sounds great. How do I apply it in my own life? You know, I've done this or done that. Listen to me, guys. I am a failure, a failure. I am the most unlikely person read the trident. The trident is a story of failure. I failed as a leader. I almost got myself kicked out of the SEAL teams because of my arrogance and ego. And thankfully, my leadership at least believed enough in me to give me a second chance. That's how I ended up at U.S. Army Ranger School, because I failed. And then I failed again. I, I actually quit Ranger School for a short period of time. This is a very long, drawn-out story. I'm only giving you the flashpoints. But I quit Ranger School for a, a short period of time, and God stepped in, man, and saved my career and got me back on track. So those of you that are listening and trying to say, oh, my gosh, I can't hold a candle to this guy, dude, it is never too late. I am the ultimate comeback kid, and if I did it, you can do it. Uh, because I have defied the odds only because I was willing to keep grinding forward and getting off that X. It's never too late. Don't ever discount yourself out. You have the ability. You just got to apply the systems to do it. Wow. Now, in 2020, I mean, we're talking about that. You're talking about the, the failure parts. And, the, you know, I think that's the part that the people resonate with, right? And in 2020, people have asked me, you know, I keep a smile on my face, maybe do uh, do some uh, videos. I got a smile and they're like, oh, well, everything's good in your life. And I said, I mean, all my revenue streams when the co when quarantine hit went away, everything from the salons all got shut down. All my speaking career went down. Every single thing, every stream of income was gone. And it, it really challenged my mindset. What were some of the things that you went through, whether it be physically in your family, emotionally during this 2020 that, that really kind of almost challenged you to become a better Jason? Absolutely. I mean, 2020 has been a tough year for all of us. I was in the same boat as you. We were on track to have the most successful year we had ever had. And it all came to a grinding halt in March. 91% of our revenue went away overnight. Events canceled. I mean, just like that. I mean, it was like a domino effect that everybody just canceled. So that was tough. I mean, we were left scrambling, trying to figure out. And as a matter of fact, I went through a couple of months where I was like, um, trying to figure out how do I, you know, how do I launch this coaching program? How do I do this? How do I do that? And, and oftentimes when we try and do something quickly, it's not executed as well. So I was throwing stuff against the wall, but they weren't sticking. And finally, I kind of had to um, stop and take a breath. And this is where a lot of these ideas for the Point Man for Life program that I'm launching started to develop. And although it took more time um, now it's going to be this great program that takes me into 2021. And so often, um, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there that, that we talked about the end moments at the beginning. If you watch my Ted talk, I talk about the ambush and I talk about the end moments, but what's so amazing about the end moments is so often, if you're willing, they become new beginnings. And for a lot of people out there, 2020 will be the year that starts your new beginning. 
And someday you're going to look back and say 2020 sucked. But you know what? I would never have turned this new direction. I never would have gone down this path. My business was shut down, but I ended up going this direction. And now I'm 10 times more successful than if I had stayed on that path. So it's hard. Change is hard. But I wouldn't have launched this new program if it hadn't been for that. Well, okay. So all the principles that you talk about, it's amazing. Because when you talk about, uh, you know, training on the battlefield, um, that works for in the corporate office. It works for when you're, uh, you know, maybe not a C-suite person. It works for a person who just started in a job, having that perseverance, all those things. The one place that I find that all that stuff goes out the window is in marriage. So uh, <laughs> when you are as gangster as you are in all that you do, talk to us about this because I'm a systematic guy, right? I, I have a company that I'm systematic about every single thing. Then when I get home, I try and be systematic with my wife. And my wife is like, eh, eh, I ain't having that. You're the man on the battlefield. You are the man, the leader, the light shiner. Like you said, the thousand lumens. Let's talk about how we as men relate that into our marriage and as being a father. Does those, do those things apply and do they work the same, Jay? They, they absolutely apply. Okay. A hundred percent. They, they apply. Um, although your, your, your spouse, you know, you guys have to work together to make them apply. So there is a give and take that exists there. I mean, you can't just come home and, you know, and it's my way or the highway. You're, you're now in a symbiotic relationship with someone else. So there's going to be give and take, there's going to be compromise. Um, but at the end of the day, it does come back to the, the, the three rules of leadership that I teach. And, and the foundational rule is lead yourself. These, these rules apply in your business and they definitely apply as a parent and as a spouse. And number one is lead yourself. So how do you build structure, discipline? How do you, how do you manage this round thing in the bottom of your face? Because I watch so many people that you know, they're throwing out zingers or they're saying things that do zero to contribute really in the long, in the long, um, the long game. Um, perfect example. Last night, I was it last night, two nights ago, I got home from a trip and, uh, I got home super tired. I mean, it was like four days. Uh, we, we got, we missed our flight and ended up having to get on a later flight, which meant it ended up being later after being, you know, just going nonstop for many days straight. So I was mentally exhausted. I get home and my wife's like, Hey, can you go pick our daughter up? I gotta, I gotta do this thing. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. No problem, babe. I got it. So I leave, I get in the car and I look down and literally the fuel gauge is below red, you know, like the car's coughing as I'm driving. <laughs> and I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. And, um, and I literally wanted to text my wife and be like, I'm so glad I can be out of town for this long and come home, you know, to an empty car, you know, to my car empty with, you know, and, uh, but I, I took a breath. I call this the perspective pause. My wife's amazing. Amazing. She does so many incredible things. Uh, everything from just being an incredible military spouse to how she's raised our kids. She is my business partner. She is my best friend. So it's such a minor thing, like really in the grand scheme of things, like, okay, so you overlooked or forgot to put gas in the car. You know, it's, it's a five, 10 minute inconvenience at best, at best, you know? So I didn't send that text. I didn't say anything. 
that's the difference. That's wow. the difference when that's, that is your ability to lead yourself. Uh, I also call that emotional leadership, your ability to manage your emotions. And so I, I've been really fortunate. Um, it is, you know, funny you bring this up. We are actually working on a relationship book. Um, so because so many people have asked us, how have you, how you, you and your wife have been through some pretty intense experiences. I mean, my wife has been through my military career. She went through that leadership failure that I had with me. Um, she went through, um, she went through obviously my injuries and then we got involved in a pretty nasty business, uh, a deal that just went South and turned into a lawsuit. And I got accused of some nasty stuff that, that didn't happen. But, you know, unfortunately, the court of public opinion, you know, the newspaper reports what's in a lawsuit. Um, and, and those were super hard. I mean, that was an attack on my integrity and it really hurt. But we went through that together. Wow. And uh, so now, I, you know, I've been fortunate and, you know, you've got to put the time into your relationship, but it comes back to you. You know, you got to lead yourself. Rule number two, you got to lead others. So that's your kids and your wife and leading others. Don't don't be confused and think once again that this round hole in the bottom of your face <laughs> equates to leadership. Telling somebody what to do is not leadership. Motivating and inspiring them and listening to them and understanding their problems and working with them. That's leadership. That's leading others. And rule number three is leading always. And, and we're not perfect as humans. You're going to have setbacks. You're going to trust me. I, I, I'm not perfect, man. I've, I've, you know, I've allowed this thing to get in the way sometimes, but it means that the vast majority of the time, just like the other night, I say, you know what? Sending this text about gas is nothing. It doesn't accomplish anything in the long run. I'm blessed. Take that, take that perspective pause. That's leading always. You do those three things, man, you're going to have a rock star of a family. Man, the perspective pause. Where were you when I got married at the, like at the beginning? You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> all, all, the, all the husbands out there are like perspective pause, man, because we have the tendency to react so quickly, you know, based off of what Art Barter, I just got the chance to talk to him, and he said uh, it, it's files like a, like a computer, right, that we have files in our head and we react most of the time off of old files as opposed to the circumstance right now. But the perspective yep. pause, man, I absolutely love that. So the whole reason why I've done the podcast, man, is for my kids, Maddox and McKenna. They're 9 and 11 years old. And um, the reason why is because I want to take iconic people like yourself, people who are, I mean, you're a real-life superhero. Like you're a, a hero in so many people's eyes. I'm not a note to your kids and to your wife, your, your wife, your, your, her husband, and to your kids, you're like, no, nah, that's my dad. Um, I know that that's, that's the case, but an iconic person like yourself in this world, uh, I want to show my kids that it, that you were human, that you were, that you have a phenomenal attitude and you have phenomenal work ethic. And as long as you do that, then my kids can become and do whatever it is that they want to do. So if you could, if you could look into the screen there, Jason, and say, use Maddox and McKenna's name, what advice would you give them from Uncle Jason? So Maddox and McKenna, my, my advice is, is follow the three rules of leadership. Be, be, the, and, and be the point man for your life. So right off the very beginning and, and within the point man for life program, those three rules of leadership apply. As a point man, you are a leader. Number one, you've got to define your mission. Who are you? And what fuels you understand what your values are. 
you know, for some people, everybody's motivated by different things and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with what motivates you, but understanding what it is and defining who you are, where you want to go, what you want to do, how you want to do it, that becomes your life. That becomes your mission and you should follow it. You should write it down and you should look to it and it'll evolve as you get older and there's nothing wrong with that, but it should be with laser focus, everything you come back to, no matter what your decision-making should be made off of it. Your friends you hang out with the things you do, it's either in alignment with your mission and it leads to it or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, you shouldn't be doing it. Set, understand that for your mission, there is a destination to get there and your destination or your long-term goals so understand what that destination is. And once you set it, bust out your compass and set that course. And the course are the short-term goals to get to that destination or the waypoint. So many people, they don't have a mission. They don't have a destination. They definitely don't have a course. They just kind of, I don't know, meander along in life. If you know where you're going and you have a mission to guide you, like, even if you get off course, even in 2020, you're able to like bust out that compass and be like, man, I'm off course. So have a destination, have a course. Be attuned to the world around you. Um, so often when bad things are going to happen, there are a lot of signs and most people just walk blindly into them. They have no situational awareness whatsoever. Be, be aware. There are signs. There are senses. There's your sixth sense. Listen to your sixth sense. It's amazing. So many people don't. Um, watch for environmental factors. Don't put yourself in situations. I mean, you know, just kind of a loose example, and this doesn't apply to, to you guys. Um, but if you're an alcoholic, don't hang out in bars. That's a perfect example of an environmental uh, indicator. Don't do that. Um, you know, don't procrastinate. Don't deny all those things and, and get off that X when bad things happen. Don't sit there and dwell. Don't sit there and find someone to blame. Don't be a victim. Get off the X as quickly as possible. And, and, and the, last, the last point out of all of that is um, I uh, try, and this is one I struggle with. This is an emotional leadership uh, part. Um, I can be oftentimes, sometimes quick to judge. And I try not to be, um, but sometimes I do it. So, Try not to judge, man. Human beings are amazing people. You, you, you don't know where anybody's coming from. You never know what they've been through, where they've walked. So, um, you know, spread the love, man. Try and try and take that pause. And before you snap at somebody or go after somebody, um, you know, one, one thing I learned, uh, and this is going to sound really weird. This is going to kind of take a, a hard and a little bit uh, a dark twist. It's, it's really easy to kill someone. It doesn't take a whole lot of effort, but to build someone up and motivate and inspire them and fill them with positivity, that actually takes a lot more effort, but the rewards for doing that are so much greater. Um, and, and, and after, I don't know, serving in the military for a long time that, you know, like, like, I hope I never have to ever, ever, you know, make a living with a gun again. I hope I never have to use one again. Um, I'd much rather build people up emotionally and physically and mentally uh, than ever have to go down that road again. So spread the love and a little kindness because uh, I think it goes so much further. So, well, Jason, you are you are incredible. To I am an ambassador for the Gary Sinise Foundation, oh, wow. which is doing some great things. 
I am a, uh, I'm on the Veterans Council for Concussion Legacy Foundation, focused on traumatic brain injury for veterans. And I am promoting uh, Headstrong, which is a great organization providing mental health services because we, we've, um, we've got to beat the veteran suicide epidemic. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you, man. I want to thank you, first of all, for your service to our country, uh, for everyone out there that's listening right now and anyone that's listening to this podcast. The reason why you get to listen to this podcast is because the guy on the podcast, Jason, was out there fighting for our freedom, uh, making sure that everything was in line. But uh, now's the time to subscribe, uh, click the links, do all the things that you need to do. Uh, but honestly, like every single one of you um, in this in these times and the times that are coming, you need to read overcome like his book overcome it will will take you to another level it'll take your mindset to another level and not from a person standing up and saying i've got all these theories but a person who is actually living it going through it and then just basically sharing his story and that's what i love about you jay is that you're not um you're not giving us the seven stages of leadership because you read them in a book you're giving them to us because you learn you 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 use them and you apply them in your life and you embody them as an example to all of us. And so I want to thank you so much for your time, man. You are incredible. Um, and uh, thank you so much for listening to the Kelly Cardenas podcast. Uh, like I said, subscribe, do all the things that you need to do, guys. Uh, Jason Redmond, check him out on Instagram. He's Jason Redmond WW, and he's uh, Jason WW on everything. And you could get him at jasonredmond.com. So thank you again, Jason, for your time. You are absolutely phenomenal, man. You never cease to amaze me. Kelly, my honor, brother. So much love to everybody out there. Yeah, I put nothing but positive content out on. Uh, Social media, I'm just trying to help people be better leaders, better versions of you. You're awesome.